Hey, Storm Freaks, it's Phil, and this is part two of our three-part tropical storm training series. And I'll tell you what, we've got a couple hurricane masters in the studio tonight in Jim Cantori and Josh Morgerman, and we're going to be talking about searching for landfalls and eye walls. It's on that boundary between the eye wall and the eye. It's literally right there. So you might actually have a calm or a moment of lull, and then you'll right. have like some of the worst gusts in the entire hurricane. And we've got more all on episode 172 of the Storm Fraud Freaks podcast. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. All right, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast. This is the award-winning Storm Front Freaks podcast, and it's brought to you by Windstorm Products. You can never start hurricane season preparations too soon, folks. Don't wait until you're competing with everybody else, which is what happens. Uh, everyone's getting their stuff at, right before the hurricane's going to hit. So, so don't compete with all of them. Go ahead and start uh, getting all your stuff in advance, all your hurricane hardware. And our friends at Windstorm Products, they've got the world's largest online selection. So prepare your home and shop windstormproducts.com for your hurricane hardware and shutter installation tools. So thanks to our Patreon teammates. Uh, we love you guys. We're, we're getting some new ones coming in like Bill and Al as well. So welcome to Bill and Al. Uh, I know we got uh, Curtis is uh, watching us on the uh, chat. And then we got our VIPs in the green room. Uh, Garrett's here, Angela's here, Dan's here. So we are, uh, we're looking shiny tonight. So uh, join our Patreon team with multiple levels of perks and exclusive merch. You can find the Patreon link, of, of course, at stormfrontfreaks.com. Uh, thanks for joining the team. And we haven't talked about this yet, guys, but the National Storm Chaser Summit is coming up. And this is gonna be exciting. Uh, it's gonna be February 3rd through the 5th. It's near Oklahoma City. And registration is now open. It's at uh, chasersummit.com. And I'm super excited about this because it's a three-day schedule this year. And so they're going to be doing some things on Friday. They're going to have their normal speaker lineup on Saturday. And then they're going to have a bunch of chaser stories and videos and all that stuff going on on Sunday as well. So this is a cool three-day uh, schedule. And listen to some of these presenters that they've got uh, coming up. Tim Marshall, uh, Mike Bettis. Uh, Jeff Piotrowski, uh, who we've had on, Rick Smith uh, from uh, National Weather Service in Norman. And then uh, there's some guy, some dude named Josh Morgerman <laughs> that I, I guess is, is going to be there. And then I, there's all, I'm not sure who the Serena Arnold name is, but I saw her on the speaker list. Uh, no, all kidding aside, uh, <laughs> Josh is here tonight. And of course, Serena is one of our own. But uh, that's just a few for saturday and, and you can join us at the event because i'm going to be there i know jen's going to be there we might get a, a few more um some of our vips are going to be there which is sweet but uh, all i got to do is uh register at chasersummit.com and uh, let's all gear up for the severe season that ought to be awesome so it is uh, every time we record it's always happy hour and and we're actually recording a little bit earlier tonight but uh, it's five o'clock somewhere is what they say and so we're going to introduce our co-hosts that are with us this evening it uh, helps you put a, a name to the voice, all that good stuff, and let you know we like to have a good time here. MJ, I'm going to start uh, start with you up in Minnesota. What are you drinking? All right, tonight I've got a uh, Sam Adams 
fest beer in a 10 and two Vikings cozy. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had to pull that 10 and two cozy out for a while. We don't get to say that very often. So no, that's good. All right, Jen Watson down in Atlanta. What are you, what are you drinking? Okay, so I'm not drinking alcohol. You're not day drinking? Yeah, I did day, day drinking yesterday. But um, look at my Twister mug. Look though. at that kick-ass mug. Awesome. That is sweet. Yeah. Look at the flippy car on the handle. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, this is from Universal Studios. So actually, I'd never seen, um, been on the Twister ride or whatever, which is devastating. But I got this on eBay. So um, I've got a little like Powerade in here because it's still hydrating from yesterday. I'll, I'll give you a little hint. Maz, I don't know if you've been there, but but uh, when they had that Twister attraction, you, you're not really missing much. <laughs> it's probably why it's not there anymore, truthfully. Oh. But they're all right. They have a sequel gonna. They're producing another. That's true. So maybe they'll have a, a better sequel attraction. Hopefully, yeah, this is true. That'll be Great. the goal. All right, uh, Maz in Cincinnati. What are you drinking? Really, you're you're muted, so it looks good. Whatever you're drinking <laughs> must look good. I just can't tell what you're. Well, that explains why I said things earlier and no one reacted. So anyway, whatever. Hey, I went to the fridge in the bunker down here and I found my banana bread beer i had one of those ah. left over from uh, eagle oh, brewery good stuff it's actually nice. good it, it's okay. like a meal and a beer you know <laughs> yeah. Tastes unfilling. yeah it is it's good i don't have to add butter though i'll put it on the lid maybe <laughs> we'll see all right then uh serena up in new hampshire what are you drinking yeah, I've got a uh, weather beer tonight. Um, maybe a stretch, but I'm going with it. It's called Geodesic Snow Globe, and it's a barley wine. Oh, there you Ooh. go. I like that. It sounds cool like name? a smart beer. It does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably smarter than me tonight, So, but, that, it, but that's okay. It'll give you brain cells <laughs> instead of taking them away. Nice. Boy, you can write their marketing. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right, Maz, let's, uh, let's get to our guest. Awesome. We have Josh Morgerman. He's back. He is a world-renowned hurricane chaser and has penetrated 67 hurricane cores, 47 hurricane eyes. Both are world records. Now, he starred in the BBC's hit TV series, Hurricane Man, and he's currently starring in the new series, Mission, Hurricane on Weather Spy. Very excited to have him here tonight, Josh. So tell me, how different was it from the very first core you did to the last core? And how is everything like, what are you looking for differently back then? Were you just like, is there a core here? I mean, what did you do? Well, you know, I'm from the Northeast. I grew up on Long Island. So in New York, so my first couple of hurricanes, which actually weren't chases, they were ones that came to me were those kind of Northeastern kind of hurricanes that are sort of unraveling. And, uh, those are very exciting experiences for me, like Hurricane Gloria in 1985. But that was before I tasted real tropical hurricanes with the tight, nasty little cores that are all intense and scary. And there really is a big difference. You know, as you go further up in latitude, the hurricanes have less concentrated energy. So as I've, I sort of, sort of got into my chasing career, I've, I've almost developed this kind of almost like a fetish for the deep tropical, really concentrated hurricanes. And I would say that's the big difference. You know, there's nothing like a hurricane deep in the tropics or one on the Gulf Coast that's very like perfectly developed. The ones at the northern latitudes, they don't quite have that sort of that edge to them. So is there a latitude you're like, I'm not going any further north than this? <laughs> That's a really good question. So I, I've, I've, I've actually pondered this. This is like what nerds think about like when they're laying in bed late at night. It's around, it's approximately 30 degrees north. I would say if you look on a map, 
you can have sexy action above that. And one of the best examples, South Carolina actually occasionally has gotten some very, you know, really big hits, not just Hugo in 1989, but Gracie in 1959. There's been South Carolina occasionally gets category four hurricanes. So, so there are some exceptions, but I would say it's around 30 degrees North where I start to feel a little bit of like a buzzkill. If it's above that, I hate to say that because I got a lot of followers and fans above there, not taking away from your experiences or saying they're less than, but as a total weirdo who's, who's like hunting a very specific kind of experience, it's generally below 30 degrees North. And I get really excited about the deep, deep tropical stuff. Like when you're under 20 degrees North, when you're, you know, down in Central America, I'm serious. The hurricanes have a different kind of taste down there, different feel. I've never heard anybody describe like the difference in the latitude when it comes to hurricanes and like, you know, the that's so fascinating to me. Like, can you break it down even just a little bit more? Absolutely. And it's not just a totally imagined and subjective thing. So when you look at um, like the hurricane center is doing a, a reanalysis of historical storms and a lot of these historical storms, they don't know exactly how strong they were. They don't have any wind measurements. So they've got to kind of use these mathematical formulas for estimating how strong they were based on a, a pressure reading in the eye. Cause you actually have pretty good air pressure data going back into the, like even in the 19th century, you know, people had barometers and they would be in the eye and they'd get a pressure reading. So they have formulas for estimating the wind speed based on the pressure. Now what's really interesting is one of the factors in those formulas is latitude, meaning that, the, that the, 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 the higher the latitude, the lower the winds for the same pressure the pressure wind relationship actually changes. So 960 millibar in a hurricane in the deep tropics is like a major full on hundred knot hurricane or more, maybe even stronger. 960 millibars in new England is like a category one or maybe a two with a big, big giant wind field, maybe not a really distinct eye wall. So, so the whole pressure wind relationship changes with latitude. That's so fascinating. Oh my gosh, Josh. Um, so wild. And I do have to ask you this. Have you ever chased in Bermuda? I'm sure you have. I have not. And I've gotten a lot of heat about this. So there's a couple of places where I'm always like dissing them as chase territory. Like one is Hawaii. I'm always like, just no, I'm not going there. Hawaii doesn't get hurricanes. Um, you know, and everyone's like, oh, Aniki, Aniki, Hurricane Aniki is a category four hit Hawaii in 1992. It's basically like a 500 year event. It was some freak thing. It's not going to happen again. So, so Hawaii, you know, it's pain in the ass to get over there. It's a couple, sorry, if I'm language, sorry about that. Pain in the butt to get over there. It's a couple of dots in the middle of the Pacific. I'm not a like tropical resort kind of guy. So it's like, it's not my thing. So there's that. Bermuda is the other one that I'm always like, yeah, not that into it. So one little dot in the middle of the Atlantic, pain to get there, expensive and <laughs> And, and here's the other thing. They, they tend not to get, they don't get really intense hurricanes. Usually it's stuff that's kind of, that look, it's like a low end cat three now and then, but they're not going to, I've never seen anything with historical intensity hit Bermuda. So it, it's never, I'm not saying I'm never going to do it, but I, I've just, it's never, I'm always, I'm never like, like when I see the computer models going toward Bermuda, total buzzkill. Like I start to, in my mind, I start to kind of be like, yeah, I'm not going to go for that one. Like Plus what, what else is GFS have? Uh, what, what else is on the buffet table? What? There's there's the Bermuda Triangle to worry about, right? <laughs> that too. That too. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna like disappear and become a legend. I'm out. Right. <laughs> you can't find beer there. That's the problem. Is that true? Yeah. No. no. Oh, oh. That's <laughs> <laughs> weird alcohol laws. Yeah. The beers tend to disappear. We don't know why. No. 
<laughs> I think one of the cool things about Bermuda too, not from a storm chasing perspective is the way they've actually built a lot of the structures there. What was that? There was like a cat five storm there that moved at what, like two miles an hour. You're thinking of the Bahamas. The, oh, it was Bermuda, the Bahamas. Bermuda does Never not mind. get, yeah, Bermuda does not right. get category fives. So like they don't, they don't, that's one of the reasons that's not that exciting to me. They're, they're, they'll, they can get a major, but, oh, but the Bahamas is different. The Bahamas get some hardcore stuff. They do. And what's really cool is like the building codes and stuff that they have there. Like you can have a cat five roll through there and barely move over the island. And the next day it's like business as usual. It's yeah. the craziest thing. So I went through Dorian in the Bahamas, which was a full on, not just a category five, but actually tied for first place with the 1935 uh, Florida hurricane as the strongest hurricane on record in North America. So the inner core of it went right over this town called Marsh Harbor. I was there. Very scary. There was actually massive destruction, but to your point, the houses that were built according to the Bahamas codes hardly had a scratch and sustained winds of 185 miles an hour, gusts over 200. You would see houses without a scratch, the roof's still on. I mean, they, they, that's one thing the Bahamas, they know how to build for hurricanes and the houses that are up to code there survived the strongest impact on record in North America. Yeah, that's so crazy. That's just phenomenal to me. You know what? It's a good illustration. I mean, I feel like we should take some of these lessons into the U.S. because what, you know, it depends. Our building codes, it, it feels like it varies state to state and then county to county. You have parts of the Gulf Coast that are solid. You know, I, I remember being in Naples, Florida during uh, Hurricane Irma, full on major direct impact, almost no damage to buildings. Everything looked really good afterward. Naples is really very properly built. I've been in other parts in the Gulf Coast uh, after, after category two, everything's really banged up. I mean, it really, you know, it's, it's really all about the, you can build, you can build for hurricanes. I'm building a house now in Mississippi in Bay St. Louis, which has been ground zero for some of the biggest hurricane impacts in, in U.S. history. Uh, I have category five Camille passed over Bay St. Louis in 1969. And then of course it was ground zero for hurricane Katrina. That was, it, it got the right front quad, got the worst winds and storm surge in Katrina. Um, so I'm building my house to be, you know, one of those Bahamas like houses where it's going to stay up no matter what hits. You that's mentioned awesome. that, you know, there's some places that you're kind of like, ah, that's not really a great place to be. Do you have a, like a number one place you're like, Oh, not that you want hurricanes <laughs> to hit anywhere in particular, but do you have a place you're like, I ain't going there, even though it's in the right latitude. And do you have some place you're like, I really hope it goes there as a nice Bahamas place. You know, I mean, Where's your extremes on those two where you want it and don't want it? Okay. Yeah. So, 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 and, and I totally know what you're asking and, and, and the way I look at it is what places most excite me to, to go to yes. if there's going to be a hurricane. Right. So I would say, I would say number one for me is probably the East coast of the Yucatan peninsula. Um, you have these hurricanes, I call them Caribbean cruisers, but they're, they're hurricanes moving just basically due West across the entire Caribbean, just, Good steering flow, bridging to the north, you know, moving west at 20 knots, nice brisk clip, no weirdness, no wobbling, going west, going west, just getting stronger and stronger, and then boom, just slamming into the Yucatan at a right angle, which is really good for chasing. You want a right angle impact. That's like, those are like, I, you know, I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I'll miss like a family member's funeral for that. Like, that's like those, those, I wouldn't do that, but well, it depends. Like, on the family. It depends on the family member. <laughs> First cousins and beyond. Okay. So um, so there's like that. Um, and, and basically, um, yeah, the Gulf Coast, usually uh, the western Gulf Coast to get Texas, I love chasing in. 
I like chasing in Mississippi and Alabama. Okay, biggest buzz kills, I would say, where I'm just like, ah, come on, no, no. Or, or nightmare, or nightmare. If you're like, ooh, that place really, yeah, I don't want to go there, you know? Biggest in the United States, the number one place as soon as a hurricane's heading for it, I'm just like, ugh, Louisiana. Hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Hate it. I love Louis. I love the state. I mean, it's an amazing state, but as chase as hunting ground, it is the worst. The whole basically bottom third of the state is swamps. So yeah. it's very hard to actually be where the hurricane comes ashore and, and survive or not just lose your car. So it's, I feel like I'm always having to be like 20 miles inland from where it's coming in because Louisiana, I mean, a lot of Louisiana, you know, you could be 20 miles inland and the storm surge can still get you because there's no elevation. So there's that. And even, even if you're kind of inland, you, you're still just, there's always this feeling, especially the nighttime hurricanes, there's this feeling that the surge is just going to come up and get you. Um, so, so you're, you're kind of like always, I feel like you're always kind of playing with fire. It's just, it's very tough chase turf. So I would say Louisiana is the one where I'm always like, ah, oh, the big bend of Florida is like that a little bit too, like that where the kind of panhandle connects with the peninsula sort of above um, you know, Tampa, but, but sort of east of Panama city, that area just kind of gets a little tough too, for the same reasons. So, so what, do you, pre I'm sorry, I was going to say, do you prepare differently then for different locations? Or are you just preparing the same way for everything? That's a really good question. I, I definitely, you know, depending on where, you know, I chase all around the world and I would say, depending on, um, you know, where I chase, you, you know, definitely there's some different things to think about and worry about, you know, in fact, only a, a small percent of my chasing is actually in the United States. You know, I chase a lot in Mexico, a lot in East Asia, not the last couple of years because of the pandemic, although now everything's open again, you know, Australia, this and that. Uh, one of the big differences in the United States, we, um, our hurricane zone is all, it's all coastal plains. So the, the, the terrain is very flat wherever hurricanes hit in the United States. In other countries like in Mexico and Taiwan, the areas that get hurricanes are extremely mountainous. And, and so that creates, uh, it creates challenges in terms of chasing because you're dealing with crazy terrain. And also the way the terrain impacts the hurricanes. Now we're talking, it seems like one of the things we want to talk about is how to kind of hunt down an eye wall. Hunting down an eye wall in the U.S. is relatively easy. First of all, we've got great radar coverage. Secondly, you got really flat terrain that the hurricanes tend not to do weird things as they're coming ashore. They just, the landfalls are pretty clean. You're in Taiwan, you're in certain parts of Mexico. The hurricane, as it approaches the coast, starts to interact with the mountains. It, I, it's like the hurricanes or the typhoons get kind of drunk. The eyes start wobbling and doing crazy things. There's always like a last minute fake out. It's like trying to get a fly with a fly swatter. Um, you know, so you're having to adjust at the last minute because the eye just did some freaky thing. And, and there, I can't find any sort of commonality like, okay, it usually veers right versus left. It's just different every time. And, and that makes the chasing in those places really tough. So back to your point about preparation, I'd say the thing I've learned as a chaser, especially in the international chases is be totally fluid to the very end. Don't, don't settle on a location. That, oh, I love this is a perfect location because I've got a balcony facing the water and this and that. Mm -mm. You got to be fluid. Just expect to be moving until landfall and just be totally flexible and open to what happens. So, so I want to back up a little bit because one of the things I want to know, Josh, is, is when you are so it's, it's tropical season, hurricane season. What, what are you, at what point are you deciding, okay, here's one coming and it's looking good enough, right? 
uh, by the Josh Morgan standards, Hurricane Man standards, because I know those are higher than a lot of other people, which is fair. When are you deciding, hey, I'm going to go after that one? And I guess why? Like, why are you deciding this is one I'm going to chase? That's a good question. So, so, and it's a million dollar question because I think, I think what separates, you know, the, the, the really successful chasers from maybe the not as successful ones is your taste in storms, which ones you decide to, to deploy for, you know, which, which ones you decide to spend resources on time on. Now, obviously if I'm living in Mississippi during hurricane season and something's moving into the Florida panhandle, that's a low stakes decision. Yeah. Get in the car and drive a few hours. Why not? But what if it's in Japan? What if it's what if it's in Belize? What if it's deep in Mexico, somewhere where I got to get on a plane and fly? So I would say um, I'm a I'm an admitted and unapologetic GFS junkie. Like I really believe in the GFS. I get a lot of heat for this online. People like to really diss the GFS, but it really is my first clue that something interesting is coming. I usually get my first uh, idea that I'm going to be hunting from the GFS. It seems to sniff things out a little earlier, has a lot of false positives, but usually my first, my, the, the thing I'm going to chase usually first appears in the GFS and then like it'll, it'll appear in the Euro later. So I would say um, the moment it starts to get serious is okay. It's, it's a feature that the GFS is showing and it's sticking meaning it's it's appearing run to run consistently. And then some of the other models, either the Euro or the Icon or the Canadian or whatever, start to also show the feature. That's when I start to, and that they're sort of agreeing on general location and timing. And let's say it's within a week. That's where I'm like, all right, I'm I'm probably going to be chasing. So what what's the, what's the earliest you've taken off for one? Uh, and what's the latest last minute? time oh, that you've taken off for one? That's a great question. So, so in terms of latest, I'll start with that. Um, I, I would say probably the absolute latest was Olaf in Mexico uh, last year. It was, I, it was, um, it formed off of the, the Pacific coast of Mexico and it was near the Baja California peninsula, which is that long skinny peninsula that, that extends basically from our California at the very Southern tip of it is uh, Cabo San Lucas, which is a big vacation destination for Americans. Anyway, Hurricane Olaf, small hurricane, kind of formed off the west coast of Mexico. The computer models kept it offshore, but then they started shifting, and it, it was a quick spin-up. But within a, a couple of runs, it sort of shifted. And also, I was looking at the hurricane's motion. I'm like, oh, my God, that's going to that's gonna hit. And basically, I bought a ticket, raced to the airport like two or three hours later, flew to Cabo San Lucas, landed just in time because they're closing the airport because the hurricane was already coming in. And I was in the eye wall, like I was in the eye within like a couple of hours. Like it was, it was just like, it was wow. sliding into home plate. Every part of the chase, like it was like just making it before the doors closed, you know, <laughs> to, to the airport on the plane, landing in Los Cabos, getting in the car, getting into the eye. I like literally, it was just like, it was one of these, it was just this quick little spin up, you know, it wasn't one of these big long trackers. So I'd say that was the last minute. I've had a few like that. So in terms of um, in advance, one interesting thing was Hurric a Super Typhoon Haiyan, which was a category five on our scale, totally flattened a city in the Philippines in 2013. Uh, thousands dead. Very, very big story. That one, the GFS sniffed it out more than 10 days in advance. It might have even have been two weeks. I just remember. 
Uh, my fr my good friend James Reynolds, who's a, a British guy who lives in J Japan, he hunts typhoons. Uh, that's his specialty. I remember he and I were talking about it, but we're looking at those the the GFS, and it was just showing this big typhoon, and it was it was more than ten. I have to look, but it was maybe twelve days out. It accurately showed what ended up happening, the location, the timing, everything, and and that was one of the things that gave us this idea that it was going to be a big deal because the model was so locked on it. Hey, Jim Cantori, meteorologist slash weather idol and you know what i'm talking about right known for his live reports for severe weather events Who wrote he's this? covered every major weather event during the past 30 years doesn't look a day over 32 either including hurricanes katrina michael and superstorm sandy in total jim has now broadcast live from 110 tropical systems yeah and I'll, I'll say this, you know, it's fun having Josh and Jim on. <laughs> Looking at Josh's face. Well, I mean, come on, Morgan, but you got to be up there somewhere because you get to go to other countries and yeah. do it. So, you know, I, I've got um, Belize, uh, Nicaragua, and of course, Hawaii several times, but I don't have the Pacific. I don't have any of the Pacific. Okay, is that... Is that sort of like what you guys are interested in? Is just primarily you just stay in North America? I never knew what the policy was for you guys. Well, they have this little thing in business called ROI. And that's no business. You know exactly what that means. So for whatever reason, people don't seem to care, uh, at least our viewers, what's happening elsewhere. I do. Uh, you do. I know you guys and, and gals do. But 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 people don't really tune in for that. Um, but what's interesting is that was a philosophy from years ago. You know, when we when we had satellite trucks and had to go through uplinks and things like that. Now, I mean, you just do it with a live view. And because of the technology, I, I wonder if that's going to get re-looked at uh, down the road. So we'll see. So, uh, Jim, I'm going to ask you the same question I, I just asked Josh. Um, okay. When it comes to tropical storms, hurricanes, when when are you guys deciding that, hey, let's we're going to go, we're going to go intercept or broadcast from this storm? When are you making that decision? What have you seen in the storm to go, okay, yep, we're, we're in. This is good. Well, I mean, I think anytime we, we know we're going to have hurricane warnings uh, up on the coast, um, even tropical storm warnings to an extent, um, you know, that's where we deploy. P P our viewership goes up, speaking of business. Uh, you know, we know what that's when the eyeballs come in. They want answers from the Weather Channel. They want to take, they want you to take you beforehand, during, and after the storm. And, and what are you paying attention to yourself? I mean, personally, personally, yeah, personally I want to know where the blank is going to hit the fan. Okay. I want to be in the worst of it. Uh, if it's going to be a, a storm surge wind combo or just a wind thing. I mean, my job is to get out there and get positioned to, to, to be, you know, get our team in a safe spot to do that. You know, a little, a little different than, than Josh, because you, you don't have schedule on air times. <laughs> you just kind of do your own thing a little bit. And there's always time I wish I had, Oh gosh, I wish I had more time to scout. That because that's usually the thing is here, Jim. Work in the morning on, on TV and then get on a plane and go broadcast uh, the next morning in the middle of, of the crap or whatever. So, so there's a lot of times I wish I had I had more time to to really survey and scout things. So, oh, very interesting. So, so a really question a question yeah. I have is: so you want to be in the worst of it, and I get that, and that's that's awesome. Right. But then you look at storms like Anne, where you have storm right. surge that is insane, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't even right. remember what the official was: 15, 18. That's pretty cool, but finding a safe place in that is really hard. So, like, where do you draw the line? Like that—that that would have been hard. Point, yeah, yeah, do, that would have been hard. Like we would—we would have needed to have a parking garage, right? Uh, <clears throat> I would have needed to be up in a building. I mean, I obviously we plan on losing power, so we have rations and things like that. But that's 
that's how that would have gone. And, you know, obviously we would have got cut, you know, if we were on Sanibel, because that was one of my suggestions was Sanibel. If we went there, wow. we would have got cut off. Right. But I mean, that that's just something that goes along with the gig. I mean, Josh, you, you know, I mean, you hope you got enough uh, rashes to deal through it, but, but it's our job to tell the story. People expect me to be out there and tell the story. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to get our team in the best position to do that uh, without putting us in harm's way. All right. So Jim, I have to ask you a question. Sure. When you're out there in the field and you're like, okay, we think the eye is going to go here. We're in a specific city or town. When you're now casting basically and just watching different things, because you know, like, I mean, it can make one wobble like one way or another. What is yep. the ultimate thing that you look at when it comes to, you know, weather maps or anything else where you're just like, okay, radar I always- scope, radar scope, radar scope. Totally. Is my friend. I mean, it's the I best. Second that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just the, your best, it's your best friend. Um, where, where you, you just want, you kind of wonder where the eye walls going or where that wobble's coming from. Like I knew in Punta Gorda when this thing jogged right to the South, I said, we're not going to get the surge here. No, 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 no we're not, we're not, we're not going to get, I mean, it's going to keep pushing it, you know, out actually for a while until it goes by and then it'll push some of it in, but it won't maximize the surge here. So that little jog, you know, to the South, but here's the deal. You have to get in the best position with the time that you have, well, with all the broadcast responsibilities and things like that. Uh, and then you just go, you go with whatever mother nature gives you. I mean, we weren't minus an eye wall. We were certainly in that. So, uh, you know, I didn't get the surge. We were set to go in the surge. We had a huge parking garage in downtown Punta Gorda. We could have gone up in. So that, that we were all ready for whatever this thing was going to do. And uh, you, it just didn't work out. Have you ever had uh, a storm uh, surprise you for both you and Josh? Um, Jim, I'll go with you first. But where you're just were so mm. surprised by the movement of the storm itself. You want to so the well, I mean, Sal. Okay, so Sally was awful because they sent me to New Orleans, and I said, "Guys, it's not going to New Orleans. <laughs> it's, not, it, it's not going. We need you there anyway." So that this is one of the times I actually had a fight with, with my bosses, and you know, of course, the next day it starts trending east. I mean, we know it's already doing that. Um, so they're like, "Go to go to Gulfport." I'm like, um, "That's not far enough east." <laughs> so I won the fight. Just keep going. Get out of my face. Just keep going. <laughs> so, you know, we got to Mobile and I said, you know, we, and we looked around for a long time. And I'm like, there, there is nothing that I can show here. I, I just don't have a good place. So then I was like, I know Pensacola. There's going to be, you know, some storm surge in Pensacola. Um, let's let's just let's just go there. It may not be the worst of it. It may not be the eye wall, but I, but I know there'll be some storm surge there. So they're like, OK, just just go. Just get off my butt and go. And that's and that's pretty much where we wound up. So Sally was was a real pain in the in the rear end in, in many ways, because it's it's tough when you have to fight for where you think you need to be. Uh, Josh doesn't have to do that. He's his own boss. So I'm totally envious of that. Totally jealous of that. It's funny, Jim, you mentioned that because that was one of you know, that's been one of my challenges. You know, I doing any kind of coverage when I've done coverage, you know, for different networks is, is what you talked about that fight about location and needing to sometimes justify that with, you know, the people who make like news decisions and their desire for you to be in like a big city versus where it's really happening. And I totally hear you. I know I haven't working 
steadily with Weather Nation. I'm a kind of contract with them. But right. one of the things I said to them was when we decided to work together, I said, the one thing, the one thing I I, I need to go where I where I'm gonna go. And that was sort of a, an agreement that that I would decide where I Good. go. And it was like it was the only thing I said, anything else I don't care about, but that's the one thing. I don't want to argue about where I'm going. <laughs> right. Let me be in charge of my own fate. I mean, listen, 90, 98% of the time. It's Jim. Where do you want to go? Nice. Okay. Uh, yeah, which, which is good. And, and and I call it. And sometimes they go, mm, "That's interesting," or "Yeah, that's a good call." <laughs> um, but I'm actually glad that they talked me out of <laughs> Sanibel now, because that, that was I, I really it was Punta Gorda or Sanibel. I said, "Let me take one of those." That would have been kind of awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that would that would have sucked for a while until uh, we could have got a chopper over there. But listen. Here I am. I'll tell you the story. I mean, it's what we what we sign up for, right, Josh? So, yeah, totally. you know, that, that's Jim, can I ask you ninety eight percent of the time it works out. Jim, like, you, so you have like a big team with you. So, like, that's something you. I feel like you have like a like a like a you're you're like leading a ship basically. So, I guess that must be a challenge too, because it's like you got like people that are you know like you're kind of managing a show almost, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody is pretty much in the game. You know, we have camera, we have my producer. Uh, sometimes we have an audio guy, but not usually. Okay. Um, and, and that's it really. I mean, that, oh, okay. it's just us three. So um, contrary to popular belief, you know, there's not a crew of 20 people like there used to be when I was with NBC. So uh, yeah, there, there's, there's not that many. So everybody's pretty much on, on board with what I, what I decide. Well, tell you what, guys, right now we're having all kinds of uh, severe and winter weather hitting the country uh, this season. And if you have to travel oh on God. the road, it's cr like, yeah, there, there's winter stuff going on. And then Tuesday is going on. Right, right. So so we've already talked about this, right? The fact that we've got a day six uh, in December, which we've never had. They've never had a day six in December. 30%, 30% probability. That's crazy. crazy. So here, here's the challenge, right? If you happen to be... Uh, traveling on the road, taking a trip, whether it's professionally or this time of year, a lot of people are traveling. Uh, what's key is to know when's the best time to leave and what to expect along your way. So the Drive Weather app, it illustrates the National Weather Service's forecast showing motorists the weather along their route at the expected time that they're going to be at each point on their road trip. So don't get caught in the snow. Uh, avoid the traffic due to the rain. Listen, one out of every five vehicle accidents is due to the weather. That shouldn't surprise anybody, but visit driveweatherapp.com or download from the Apple App Store or Google Play. I used to do that the hard way. I'd actually look up the National Weather Service office along my route, check, check Indianapolis, find out when I'm going to be in Indianapolis, what's it going to look like. Then when I get to Chicago, what's it going to look like? And, and if any of those were messed up, then I'd have to go back and say, well, I don't want to be in Chicago at that time when the weather's hitting. So then I'd have to go back through that whole system and go, okay, well, if I, I wait two hours, what's it going to look like? So now with this app, you have a slider that simply tells you, hey, I'm going to wait two hours. Now what's the weather going to look like around my route? So just go to driveweatherapp.com and, and check it out. So hey, it's, uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, but we're going to be right back with more hurricane discussion. Stay tuned. Time for this edition of Stormfront Fruits Podcast Storm Chaser Safety Tip. Join retired fire battalion chief Randy Denzer 
EMA director Eddie Aldrin, and police officer Eric Fox as we discuss some of the most common storm chaser safety pitfalls to avoid. Hey everybody, we've got Randy Denzer here as we talk about storm chaser safety tips. Randy's a retired fire battalion chief with over 30 years in fire service, and he's a current storm spotter and public safety director for the Spotter Network. Uh, Randy, thanks for joining us. Hey, want to talk a little bit uh, this episode on driving wet roads, and obviously as storm, as storm chasers, oftentimes driving on wet roads, I guess, what, what are some of the first things that come to mind in your experience that, that uh, you think people need to be aware of when they are driving wet roads? Well, first of all, Phil, I think it's important for everybody to understand that uh, it's probably the most dangerous thing chasers do is drive to start with, right? It's, it's in my opinion, and in my experience, it's more dangerous than the storms themselves most of the time. If you sit there and say, hey, this, we're going to talk about driving wet roads. The truth of the matter is, is that if you're going storm chasing, you got about a 95% chance that you're going to be driving on wet roads. The biggest tips I'm going to give to anybody is to start with is to make sure that you have your equipment, you know, in, in a good, safe manner. So in other words, make sure that your tires are in good shape. Uh, make sure that your uh, brakes are working properly. All the stuff on your vehicle that you're going to be going out with, you got to make sure that that's, it's in top-notch form. Uh, my second biggest tip goes back to the ACES program and everything else I've worked on for the past 20 some years is that, you know, it's a mindset, right? When you're driving on, on, on wet roads and you're in these conditions, it's a mindset and you want to live to chase another day. So you have to kind of, in the back of your mind, I've been pretty good about this. I'm not going to say I haven't had some close calls. But, you know, when you get into one of those situations where you're core punching, we all, you know, used to say, oh, we don't go core punching and stuff. But the truth is, we go, you know, most of us will at some point or another have to core punch and be in really, really, you know, high precip driving conditions. Yep. And so the mindset is, is that you don't want to do something to kill yourself or anybody else. And, to, and in order to do that, you have to drive appropriately for the conditions. So, yeah, so you, you just brought up what I wanted to ask you about is hydroplaning. Um, if you can explain a little bit what that is, maybe for someone that's not aware of it, but also w what to look out for, how, what kind of things are going to either have you hydroplane or how can you avoid that? Well, it's, hydroplaning is an in interesting thing, and I think I learned most about hydroplaning, uh, learning how to drive fire apparatus you know, at high speeds you know, with lots of water you know, when we go through storms and stuff. Um, hydroplaning sometimes, sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not obvious. Um, what happens is, is as your vehicle is moving forward over, uh, wet roads, especially if you hit those little tiny little mud puddles at high rates of speed, your car actually licks, lifts up off the pavement and starts to float. Well, you don't have any steering or stopping cap uh, capabilities when that happens. So really your, your tires are no longer in contact with the surface of the road. It's uh, got a little bit of water between them. When, you, when it's obvious, uh, you will notice that you're not getting a response out of the steering wheel or brakes. Uh, when it's not obvious, you might not even feel that. The thing that you have to keep in mind is that when it does happen, the last thing you want to do is hit your brakes or turn abruptly or do anything else. You want to kind of let off your brakes, uh, let off on your gas and not apply your brakes really hard because you, you, what your, your goal is to actually create that uh, 
connection again with the surface of the roadway. So you have to do everything very smoothly and very controlled. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so uh, back with Josh and Jim and, and uh, gentlemen, I, I want to talk a little bit about the eye wall. And, and I know, Jim, you might be a little less mobile than Josh, you know, when it comes to then kind of making some last minute decisions. But what I want to know is some of the experience you guys have had with eye walls what again what are you looking for in an eye wall when it's approaching land what, what are you looking for to go here's where it's coming and and maybe what's what's an example of something strange you know from an eye wall that that you had to experience jim i'll start with you oh my gosh just just go back to ian um i knew we were gonna about about to get into the eye and so i thought all of a sudden the winds just died I'm like, oh my God, we're in the eye. This is amazing. I got to go out. I got to go out and be in the eye. And so as soon as I get out there, as soon as they come to me, here comes this freaking wind down the street. And I'm telling you, I, this must've been some kind of a vortex on the inside of the eye wall. Uh, that's the only time, if I didn't hold on to that street sign, I was gone. I was, I was gone. I don't know how far I would have flown, but I mean, I totally strained my, my right arm from holding on. Wow. Yeah, that was that was the worst gust, but that was some kind of vortex on the on the inner eye wall, and uh, that was that was a, that was a butt kicker, guys. No, I mean I won't lie. Wow. What about what about you, Josh? What what are you looking for in eye wall movement as you're trying to position yourself, and what's what's an interesting example of that? Well, I want to quickly riff on what Jim said, which is so interesting, and it illustrates something that I've seen a lot, which is. I've often found that the most violent winds in a hurricane, it's not just in the eye wall. It's actually, I have found, and it's just Jim's point illustrates it or his experience illustrates it. It's on that boundary between the eye wall and the eye. It's literally right there. So you might actually have a calm or a moment of lull, and then you'll right. have like some of the worst gusts in the entire hurricane. And so that, that transitional period to me is actually often the most dangerous. And, and Jim's experience is a good yeah. illustration like, like don't go out too early, but, um, you know, I look for like the perfect circle, you know, and, and, uh, you know, hunting that, you know, some folks are fun to like, want to get in the right front quad of the hurricane. They don't care if they get in the eye. They just want to get in the strongest winds. Me. I love the magic of going through the calm. I find it very, I don't know, spiritual or something or magical. So I like to go through the eye. So I try to get smack through it, even though that might not be, I might not get the absolute strongest winds, which might be, I found that in, in hurricanes like Maria and um, Agatha in Mexico, when I missed the eye by a little bit and I was just a hair right of it, that's actually when I got the strongest winds. Yeah, so, I think so. Have you guys yeah. ever miscalculated? Like you, were, like you were talking about that vortex that came down there and you're like, 
oh crap you know and you knew i gotta hang and there was no way except you know had you had it been nighttime you know you wouldn't have seen it coming at you have you guys ever like miscalculated the point where you're like oh this could be the moment i'm gone i mean josh i don't know about you but like you can't even see in there I mean, there's there's so much reduced visibility because the there's so much heavy rain and wind blowing it all around and everything. I mean, you can't really see. You know, that's why you know I'm in I'm in body armor and a helmet because I'm 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 trying to eliminate you know the worst outcome because you know what I certainly don't expect people to come get me if I get injured out there. I really don't. But like I tell everybody, it's kind of like NASCAR. You don't watch NASCAR to to watch people make left turns. Okay. Watch them <laughs> crash. So I, I think that there's as morbid as that sounds, I think that that's what people want. Uh, but I try to get us at the safest spot possible. You know what? You can't really calculate where debris is going to go in one of those things. It's yeah. going to go where it wants to go. It's, it's an inherently, yeah, like there's no way to completely manage risk in a hurricane because you could have some rule, oh, I'll only drive around in, in tropical storm winds. Well, you know what? A big rotting old oak tree can fall right on your car and squash it and kill you instantly in 40 mile an hour winds. So any rule you have is not going to, the only way to be really safe is to stay home. So then it's a matter of, okay, what are the percentages of each action? But I, I feel like I've miscalculated so many times in my career. And, and what's interesting is some of my best footage and coolest YouTube videos that have done the most traffic were when I really miscalculated and had my ass handed to me by the hurricane, you know, when I was just like, oops, this, um, this fall, you know, hurricane Rosalind in Mexico, tiny little hurricane looked like crap on infrared as it was coming in. So I kind of just chased it sort of aggressively, like, Oh, whatever about this thing. That was, it was a very tiny hurricane. It took like an hour to pass the whole thing went right through the eye. One of the scariest hurricanes I've been in. It was so violent and we were in a little town in Mexico. Everything was shut. There was nowhere to go. I was with uh, my chase partner. We were riding it out um, on, the, on a, the patio of a restaurant. The whole roof, everything just blew away. We're squished like little, a little, in a little ball under a counter. Scary, scary stuff. And that was totally from miscalculation. I didn't take the hurricane seriously. And I just uh, wasn't in a secure location for it. Wow. So that was going to be kind of my question is, you know, so for you guys who have been in multiple eyes, you know, some of us are just hoping we get one one day. You look at eyes like Nicole that are 60 miles across. And then you look at some like, what was it, Charlie in 2004? That's teeny tiny. You know, what's the different experience that you get in those storms when you have such drastically different size eyes? Oh, gosh. Um uh, you know, the best eye I've ever been in in my life was, uh, what was it, Ike? Is that not, not, not Ike? What came into to Galveston? Do you remember? It was Ike in 2000. Oh, it was Ike. Okay. Yeah. I've done a few of these. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get them all across now. Uh, but, but that was just unbelievable. The calm. That was know, a nice eye. Yeah, that was a really nice eye. And it was so calm. And, you know, then we did... Uh, Irma and, and, and I was in Fort Myers. It was falling apart at that point, but they're just, they're all different. Every single one of these things is different. I don't know. It's nice to, honestly, it's nice to get a break, a decent break. So a slower moving kind of larger or 10 to 15 nautical mile aisle is kind of nice. So you can just kind of take your break. But then after that, man, you, the backside of these eyes have been, holy smoke. It's almost worse on the backside of it, depending on where you are. Like if you're on the, you know, the West coast of Florida, 
they're both bad. <laughs> they're both yeah. bad coming in from the Southwest because you're going to get like no friction stopping any of this. Um, but it, 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 they can both they can both be bad and 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 they're all different. I can promise you. And I mm-hmm. can't say that. Oh, just because this one was like this, this is how this one's going to be. Nope, not at all. Yeah, Jim makes a great point, which is that hurricanes are like people and each one has a totally different like body type and personality and vibe. And uh, yeah, I've been in hurricanes where the front side is really scary. And then after the eye, like the the second part is kind of lame. And then I've had the opposite where the first part's not that bad. And then the backside really surprises you. The, the smallest eye I've been in, I think, was probably Patricia in Mexico. It was a little pinhole, and we had calm for just like a couple of minutes. Um, and, you know, Mexico, a lot of Mexico doesn't have radar coverage. So we actually got into that little pinhole eye using visible satellite imagery, which was really – there was some luck there. We, I don't know how we did it, but we got in that little tiny eye. There's a little bit of blue sky. And with that one, the backside was the really scary part. That's when everything – just the whole hotel just started to blow apart. Guys, if I may, uh, I have not been in that many eyes because their their goal for me is to get and stay in the eye wall. So, you know, they want me in kind of the worst part of it. And and uh, so I really haven't done that, that many eyes. Sometimes, you know, we get a jog here and a jog there and, and we get a little piece of the eye or, or uh, you know, an eye like Ike. But um, lucky you, Josh. <laughs> I'm, I'm envious. <laughs> so what is your advice, um, Jim, we'll start with you for fellow chasers, meteorologists, let's say they want to go chase a, a storm, a hurricane. What advice would you give to them? Like, what's that one thing? Always remember to do this, bring this. Yep. What is it? Yep. I mean, realize, um, you know, when you go out there, you may out, be out there for days. Uh, do not, do not absolutely. Number one thing, do not get trapped in the storm surge. You will regret that if you live through it. So, so you've got to make sure you can get to high ground. That is absolutely number one. I mean, you may go through hell, but uh, when that water comes up, trust me, it comes up fast, real fast. That's my number one. Awesome. I like that. I, I Jim, Jim's advice there is really good. The storm surge. That's the you got to just make sure. Big amateur mistake is to get caught in storm surge you know, with your vehicle, like, don't do that. I would say um, if you're chasing internationally, if you want to, you know, let's say chase around the globe, I would say um, things I've been talking about when I've been talking to chasers, um, this is going to sound kind of funny, but I look at it as a sport and there's like a tournament season, be in good physical and mental shape. Um, Because listen, you know, you're in a developing nation, the whole place is destroyed. You're stuck there for days, good physical conditioning. You know, you have to walk, for, for um, miles, you know, with your equipment, um, you know, you, you, you might be low on food, you might be low on water. I mean, hopefully not. If you plan, you know, you, you should have those things. Um, you know, you might be stuck, you know, there for days. And so good physical conditioning, good mental conditioning will get you through that in one piece and, 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 you know, okay. And ready to live another day and chase another hurricane. Do you, do you guys have like a hurricane workout? It's yeah. There, that's uh, it's going to be the Josh and Jim uh, Fab Fit Sorry. Hurricane ninety. Uh, right. We're yeah. announcing it now. <laughs> yeah, lots, lots of lots of cardio, man. Lots of cardio. So hey, so that's the sound. It's time for our lightning round. Maz always seems to answer a question when uh, when the thunder hits. But uh, so Max. this is our game show of flashy and brilliant questions that we always play with our guests. 
Uh, oh. We are going to pit Josh and Jim against each other a little bit tonight. Oh. And uh, we're, we're going to play a game uh, that's He's called, this is actually, a, this is a real game. Oh, this, no, this, this here's, because here's what it is. It's called uh, Weird Things That Humans Search For. <laughs> All right, so Weird Things Humans Search For. So this is real, okay? So this is people jumping on Google, and they're doing some kind of Google search. And these are the top 10 searches for each of these uh, cards. And so I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm basically going to read a sentence, and there's going to be a blank. And, and the blank is going to be the thing that people are searching for. And so I'm going to start with one of you. You try and pick one of the top 10. If you get it, great. I'll move on to the next person. But if one of you get, get a round wrong and the other gets it right, then that person gets the point. Make sense? So, so, so here's how it's going to work. So I've got uh, the first one, uh, and I'm Josh, I'm going to start with you first. Uh, so the question is, or the search is, how do I know if I have blank? So people are jumping on, and, and maybe they've – and this is pre-COVID, by the way. So oh, I'll give I, you a oh, little I know, hint. I know the number one is cancer. I think, that, I think people are always searching for that. That is not uh, top ten on here. Is not how do I know Ooh, if I have cancer? So okay. So Jim, if you, Jim, if, if you get it right, you get the point. Uh, if you don't, I'll go back to Josh. So they're searching, and and these are weird people searching for weird things. I'll kind of preface that a little bit. <laughs> it may not be average your average population. <laughs> so how do I know if I have what? How do I know if I have a woman who loves me? I don't know. Oh, that's, oh, that's nice. That's good. I think it's got to be medical. Like, But that is not on there. Okay, so Josh, I'll go back to you quick. What, you got another idea? I I, I think it's, I. It, it sounds like medical things, I mean, to me. Right. Um, I, I'm going to say, it's got to, to me, it's good. That sounds like a medical question. But again, okay. maybe it's because everyone I know is a neurotic so, hypochondriac. <laughs> so how do I know if I have what? What would be your, your, think the top medical search maybe yeah maybe like a venereal disease like how do i know if i have uh yeah like herpes i don't know uh, <laughs> no, uh, i would search for i'm saying that's what that is oh, no, that's yeah. on there yeah there yeah. you go how, how do i know I was that's actually on there all right jim oh we, we can keep it going or or we're giving no, the just, point just give him the point by all means i absolutely cannot here's, here's the other ones you missed how do i know if i have the flu a yeast infection, a hernia, diabetes, pink eye, lice, a UTI, ringworm, or how do I know if I have jury duty? Like an STD. Oh my God. All right. So, Jim, this one, I'm starting with you. Should I stop blank? So, people are looking for information or advice on should I stop what? Should I stop drinking? That's that's number one. Good. All right, Josh. Over to you. Should I stop smoking? Uh, taking. Uh, you know what? Oh. Oh uh, yeah, smoking weed. That's that's number okay. two. Uh, well, <laughs> I meant two. cigarettes, so maybe I. <laughs> so I, yeah, just being honest here, I meant cigarettes, so maybe that gives the so, point to So smoking, smoking weed. That's on there. All right, Jim. So we're back to you. What else are they searching to find out if they should stop? They should stop uh, watching TV. No. Not not on there. So, Josh, you have a chance to get another point or uh, um, tie stop, wor stop working as in, like, retiring? 
Not not on there. So that's a tie. I like that one. So here's what you guys missed. uh, Drinking coffee, eating meat. Should I stop texting her? (laughs) Uh, Or should I stop texting him as well? Uh, Taking creatine. (laughs) Uh, Playing video games. Should I stop kittens fighting? That's a strange one. And should I stop taking birth control? All right, last one. Last one, Josh. For you. Does Santa Claus what? So people are searching about Santa Claus. Oh, it's that um, time of year. Does Santa Claus what? In the woods. Oh, oh God. <laughs> so, many, so many things. Um, does, uh, does, uh, does Santa Claus drink? Oh, oh, that is not on there. That is not on there. Jim, what do you think? Does Santa Claus hold it while he's delivers presents? <laughs> uh, believe Alan. it or not. No, 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 you gotta be kidding me. On there either. This thing's rigged. This thing's rigged. Try try one more, Josh. One more. What do you think? Does Santa Claus? Oh gosh. Um, Look look at what Angela or Garrett said. They got good suggestions. No, but that's cheating. I'm not gonna like. um, Does Santa Claus? God, I just I feel like everything that's coming to my mind is like not appropriate to say. Um, (laughs) Then it's appropriate for this. It's appropriate. It's appropriate. Just say it. Just say it. You know, and I will. Okay, you, Santa Claus have sex. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you, does Santa Claus have a wife? I'm going to give you that one. Uh, Jim, Jim, what about you? Of course. Jim, what about you? I feel like you? a pervert now. Oh, gosh. Uh, does, does Santa Claus drink on the job? That, that was already was brought already up. Said. Oh, so okay. Josh well, already said that, and it wasn't on there. You right, sorry, shot. I didn't hear that. You guys were heckling a little bit. Um, gosh, does Santa Claus... Uh, even exist. No, I would never ask that question because you know he does. That's that's a given. Um, I don't know, guys. Gosh, I don't know. I can't really think of something. So here's what they are. So exist was number one. Oh, does God, it, of course. Well, God. Yeah, I guess. That's what who uh, it. Anyway, does uh, like Santa Claus have a oh, dog? I you know what? Kids probably get on and ask that question. You know, right? I, Josh, I would have yeah, given you this one, too. The sex question. Does he have a son? I, I would have given you that one. Uh, <laughs> does Santa Claus live in the North Pole? I don't know why people are asking that. Don't Isn't that common? Does he have an email address or <laughs> does he have a phone? Does he have hair? Maybe because of the hat that people don't realize okay. he has hair. I don't know. Does he wrap presents? And last but not least, does Santa believe in God? That was your... Um, wow. 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 That's a tough one. That's right. Yeah, I'm getting deep. Impressive list there. So, uh, so, yeah, good job. Good job, guys. That was awesome. So let's do this. Let's find out, uh, Josh, where can people find you on social media and uh, maybe mention your upcoming series? Okay, so... Uh, on uh, Twitter and Facebook, um, iCyclone, so the letter word in the iCyclone, the word the letter I in the word cyclone. Uh, Instagram, iCyclone1, YouTube, iCyclone. And then my show, uh, Mission Hurricane, is on Weather Spy, which you can get on you know, Roku, Apple TV, all the smart TV platforms, and also as an app on your mobile device. Very good. Jim, how about you? How can people uh, follow you or... Find you. Uh, I, Twitter's my weather. If you want to know what I'm thinking about something, that's weather. Uh, Instagram is kind of a little bit more of my life and a little weather thrown in. But it's uh, at Jim Cantori. Simple. Very good. All right. We'll tell you what. We're calling all weather enthusiasts because uh, you need to join the AMS Weather Band. Uh, become a part of the American Meteorological Society, whose mm-hmm. members have been at the forefront of weather, water, and climate research for over 100 years. 
Uh, Jim, I'm sure you've been involved or are involved uh, there as well. Um, you'll get to go behind the scenes with 10,000 plus scientists, broadcasters, educators, and researchers of the AMS. So the weather band, what this does, it brings together weather professionals and the weather enthusiasts. Uh, band members can grow their knowledge and appreciation of weather and climate by participating in virtual events. They've got online discussions, Q&As, AMAs, webinars, photo contests. Uh, and even more. So AMS Weather Band gives you the opportunity to interact directly with those in the scientific community. So learn more and join the band today at amsweatherband.org. So we're going to take our final break, and uh, we'll be back for this episode's hashtag weatherfools in uh, just a moment. So stay tuned. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Officer and Storm Chaser, Eric Fox, promoting safe storm chasing on Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Let's take a drive under the moon. Let's take a drive under the somber sky. Let's take a drive under the It is time for Weather Fools. So this is a favorite segment of the show where we get to pe show people making really smart choices with what they do in the weather. And we've got a big group of them today. Apparently people are feeling quite foolish with the full moon or something. I'm not sure. So we're going to go ahead and kick things off with Jen. She's got one. And then we're going to move on to Phil after that. All right, guys. So uh, this is having to do with snow. Um, I feel oh. like this. I know. <laughs> I feel like this is me now that I have actually haven't lived up north in 20 years. Um, I'm going to be like this if we do get snow oh. in Atlanta. But so this was um, snow in Canada, actually. And oh. and you can you would think they would know how to drive in snow. But this one caught that so is many sad. people off guard. Yeah, this was he did a 180. Like, Look at that park job. That parallel park job was beautiful. I know. I know. I don't I know, know if he could help that. That, that was pretty epic. No. But I'm no. not sure exactly oh. Oh. what, I mean, I feel like this is a snowy scenario, like a lot of times in Canada, but for some reason, I mean, cars were sliding all over the place. There's likely ice, a layer of ice underneath that right. thin layer of snow, exactly right. which is causing this to happen. So yeah, people, it, I mean, there's a lot of traffic out on the roads, but I mean, it was just like bumper cars out there. So I feel like everyone who felt like they could drive on there, they're all kind of a weather fool. So yeah, that is mine. That yeah, that's the lesson, together. right? Just don't don't do it. Don't go out I if know. you can. Yeah, you would think I, so. I think the worst situations, guys, are these early season ones where you go where the road surface is just above freezing. It's snowing intensely. It rapidly cools the road. The temperature's dropping into the upper 20s, and that is just classic what you see. Plus, was there an incline there, or did anyone see a little incline maybe? It, it is. There <clears> is. A little coefficient yeah. of friction coming into play there along with that incline. I don't know. Plus, yeah. doesn't it take people like two, three weeks to relearn how to drive on it again? You, that first one is always hard. You have to remember, like, oh, yeah, it's We slippery. get that all the time. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can't follow this close. <laughs> all right, Phil. So uh, I hear you've got a handful of them. you got three So, so I do, and my, my first Ooh. one is this is my wow. – this is how I envision Josh. Because, I don't, Josh, have you ever seen snow? I mean, you're always hanging out below the snow oh, yeah. latitudes that's a I, grew up, I grew up in that's long a great island, question actually yeah i know I, I grew up in long island new york so okay. i've actually been in a couple right. of blizzards 
So, so pre, this was my vision of what Josh would be like in snow. So this is a guy who's <laughs> mowing his yard. <laughs> um, and it's there's snow on the ground <laughs> and he's still mowing his grass that's great that's amazing that is awesome <laughs> that is weirdly satisfying to watch there's this twitter handle called like satisfying videos and it shows like various <laughs> like people completing tests and things there's something about that like i want to see that be completed that's a good one <laughs> you're right All two right, birds so with one finish the so, job yeah. So good, good stuff on that. All right. The next one I've got is um, this was from Twitter, and this was actually uh, EF4 uh, tornado in China back in 2019. Oh, but the key, cool video. the key on this one is I want you guys to watch the. There's some 18 wheelers yep. that are going to come into the picture here. And one of them is actually like literally driving right into the tornado. This is like a traffic cam. Oh. And this tornado is going across the highway. And, and all of a sudden into view, look on your right-hand oh, side. There's wow. a it, it tips oh, over, and it actually gets moved and slightly oh, picked it's, up by it's the almost, It was almost vertical. Yeah. 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 Holy smoke. What did cool video. that happen? Now, what was that, what was that person, like, thinking? He was texting yeah. and driving. Even, yeah, were they even <laughs> looking at the road? That's the question. Right. This is right in front of you, and you just said, uh, I'm just going to go. It's, it's, oh, this one's slightly off the road. I think I'm okay now. Yeah, we thought it was like a dust devil. He didn't realize it was like a full-on tornado. Wow. wow, that's crazy. That is nuts. And, of, cool and of course, video. the other big truck on the other side tipped over and slid as well. But yeah, yeah. look at this yeah, one right. almost get picked up. God, that's wild. <laughs> that's a good one. Wow. Wow. All right, then. Then the last uh, weather fool. This was funny. I saw this on Twitter. Um, I don't know a whole lot about wikihow.com. <laughs> But it's basically, we just talked about strange things or weird things people search for. So if you go on WikiHow and you search, how do I storm chase, right? Th this, is, this is basically how they tell you to storm chase. So number one is, uh, you know, rent or buy a vehicle that's really heavy because uh, it, it might, you know, take off in a storm. But then it says the most <laughs> ideal storm chasing well, vehicle in the world. That it, is, it doesn't matter <laughs> exactly. how it is. It says it's the TIV. Uh, a tornado intercept vehicle. You may choose to create such a vehicle if you decide you want to make a career out of storm chasing. So, so that's like the idea of <laughs> ideal vehicle. Wow. Uh, it talks about equip your uh, vehicle with emergency lighting, ham radios, rescue gear, etc. But uh, it it says the emergency lighting can be useful not only to warn people that you are speeding towards the storm. Like you do not want to be God. using what? your flashers. Is on the road, right? Uh, yeah, not at all. Is this, um, is this Timmer? Is this Timmer's website? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, may, you may need to armor your vehicle with at least a quarter-inch thick steel plating, or at least some steel mesh netting. Um, oh so this is the advice, right, on how to storm chase, hey. and it gets better. Sensing a lawsuit here somewhere. <laughs> uh, know, it says right? go online. That's fine. Then here, here, step four: buy an IMAX buy camera. An IMAX camera. <laughs> oh wow. Oh. You know, because everybody's got the money and the ability to buy an IMAX camera. Yeah, my Target has one of those. Uh, <laughs> I always have a full tank of gas, so that's good. Uh, six is uh, you, you can storm chase with a team. That, that makes sense. But my whole point, um, and then it says eight, when you find a tornado, wait until it's crossing an area with no debris, and then stop and exit your vehicle within a mile of it. 
and film as long as <laughs> you can. You can. <laughs> and then it says, if the tornado is approaching you, once you feel the winds begin to blow you away, then get in your car and retreat. <laughs> that and is... Then get in your car and go for the ride of your life. Yeah, okay. Oh my gosh. So, so Jim, good. that'd be like for you. Okay, once the wind starts blowing you away and you got to hold on to that traffic sign. Yeah, it's time to come in. You know, and my <laughs> boss even hollered at me. She goes, she goes, Kentori, get in, get in. Uh, then it says create create a team name. But so I, when wow. I looked through this, it was hilarious. And I thought, you know how these AI, are you guys familiar with these whole AI? Um, yeah. Yes. Arts yeah, yeah, and all that yeah, stuff yeah. where you plug something in and then it like it searches the internet and then manual. comes back with something. Yeah. That totally felt like some AI just storm chase and went on the internet and came back, said, oh, this sounds good. Get it, it on felt like camera. it was written by someone who had never storm chased before. <laughs> like it just kind of yeah. like how they imagine it to be or something. Like, I was going to say that or one of those things where they write another language and then you translate it to English again. You're like, what the hell are they trying to say? <laughs> yeah. Also, awesome. Phil, those were fantastic. Yeah, those are great. Tools. Wow. Phil for the, for the video games. <laughs> All, right. <games. laughs> All right. I've got two here. So the first one is my annual uh, turnaround, don't drown PSA. Oh boy. Um, oh so boy. here's a van that thinks they're unstoppable. It's a long video. It's about a minute long. So we're just going to go ahead and fast forward. He thinks about it. This is the moment where he could have made the right choice, but he didn't. He said, eventually, <laughs> You know what? are almost underwater yeah he's oh, gonna you know go what? here we go i'm gonna Before i'm gonna goes. go for it gonna i'm gonna go out. for it good yeah what is good he? and yeah. immediately Ooh. discovers that's a really bad decision yeah yeah bad choice wow so, okay, I mean, so he waited that long like you say until he was eyeballs eyeballs underwater and then decides to go yeah so please once again oh, flooding is like the most dangerous deadly thing do not under any circumstances Turn around, don't drown. So that's number one. Number two is for any of those who have ever wanted to do any sort of wintertime chasing. You ever see these videos where you have slabs of ice break off and you see the boats in the water and there's like this massive wave that comes up and you're like, wow, that'd be kind of cool, but also a little intimidating and scary. There's this video I found. It's about two minutes long. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of click through as we go. You see there's this piece that's breaking off. But what you don't see is the shift that's happening to this slab stop pausing on me underwater. So here's the slab. It's, it's rotating around. And once again, when you see these massive pieces of ice, there's more underwater than what you realize. So as this oh, rotates geez. around, uh, it comes out oh, wow. so far from the wow. ice that if there were any boats or kayakers or anything there, wow. you would be absolutely toast. So yeah. I thought it's kind of cool, hoping nobody was Ooh. in the water there. If you were and you want to chase these kind of things, which I think would be fun, this is a crazy risk that I never thought of and I thought looked pretty awesome. That's wild. That's really wild. It's almost like a tsunami. Look at how blue. Do you see how blue the ice is? Yeah. That low ice. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's a crazy one. So all right, there we go. So we're going to send things to MJ then. I hear he's got two as well, and we'll we'll wrap it up. I do have a couple of them. And the first one features somebody we're familiar with. Oh, no, uh, I know this one. <laughs> I think, yeah. And this was turned in by the girls who chase. And uh, so Serena's out and enjoying a, a fall rake, right? Raking up some leaves. And I'm in New England. Off. But then she sees this uh, leaf blower and says, hey, this oh, might be fun. There. But hey, what happens if you turn the leaf? <laughs> the there you go. <laughs> I calculated the wind chill. Just I mean, that you did, yes. You provided education. Yeah, but nice. this is kind of... educational. You can't. I'm sorry. You can't give a meteorologist a leaf blower and not expect them to point it at their face with safety goggles. 
right. I stand right. by my choice. So it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It was a, uh, it was foolish fun. So there you go. Uh, this one uh, that was turned in by girls who chase who, who saw Serena doing that. Josh Burnham. Yeah, Serena, go ahead and try that wind tunnel at uh, Virginia tech. Oh, I promise you'll get a, the ride of your life in that thing. That's, <laughs> that's so speaking of the ride of your life. Uh, this is a winter version of that. Um, so they wanted to play today and they got on, I don't know, it's not really a saucer, but it was something and down they go and they get some good speed and guess wow. what? There's a chain link fence at the end. Oh, and we go right through it. There oh, oh. <laughs> second. Wow. So there you go. That could not have felt good. Nope. See you, see you on Jerry of the day. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, we were loaded with good weather fools today. If you want to see any of these and not just hear us talk about them, head over to the show notes for episode 172. Go to stormfrontfreaks.com and find it 172 once again. Totally worth checking these out. Send me a postcard. Drop me a line. You've got mail, baby, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got mail in the Freak Fan Box today. Uh, Dylan Voigt uh, checked in with us, and uh, um, uh, he actually sent us a, a sort of an educational piece, um, and we'll have to link this. I'll have to link this on the uh, uh, show notes. But um, uh, it was a WDAY up in uh, Fargo-Moorhead, a meteorologist talking about radar holes. And uh, uh, says it can be much more complicated than this simple explanation, but it gives you a good uh, gist of it. So, you know, that concept of uh, when you have the spot in the radar where you can't see, right? Which you can't yeah. see. What, what's the worst, Jim? What's, what, what's the worst radar hole that you feel you've encountered? Uh, oh, gosh. It's <laughs> a tough question. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, Josh, how about like how about you, hurricane wise? Have you ever realized that wow, there's there's some tough spots along the coast? You know, we are so spoiled in the United States. We've yeah. got unbelievable radar coverage. We've got most places on the coast actually are covered by multiple sites. So if one goes down, you know, New Orleans goes down. You have Mobile, and it's just good enough to at least like find the eye wall. Most countries. You know, most of Mexico, there's no radar coverage. So you're literally, you're, you're, you don't have that. So to me, the U.S. is like, it's all awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, I, you got to be up here. I mean, if you're, if you're chasing, you know, obviously when you're in that kind of area where the beam heights, like six, 7,000 feet on everything, you can't really tell what's going on in the low levels. It's like, oh God, do we have a tornado? Is it, is there debris in down there? You know, that, that, that's, that's the worst. So, <clears throat> one, one of our I agree, VIPs. I, I agree with Josh. I mean, you can see stuff. Angela said Durant is getting a radar. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Nice. I guess that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, Dylan, uh, thanks for sending that to us. Uh, Jordan Hall uh, checked in on Twitter, says, always enjoy listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. So thank you, Jordan, uh, for being one of our fans. And then it's it's Serena night, apparently. Um, Kyle Lawler uh, check, checked in and says, woke up to a decent amount of snow, first accumulation of the year, and my th three-year-old, puts her hand over her face and says, I'm so confused. I didn't think it was winter yet. Ah, well, kiddo, you'll understand after you open one of your Christmas gifts. And the picture, of course, was there it is, the weather oh, story. That is nice. Very nice. Arnold. So nice. cute. That like little things like that. Oh, my gosh. I wish people understood how heartwarming it was to hear the little kids are getting that book. Yeah. So thank you, Kyle, for checking in on that. That's the Freak Fan Box for this uh, this episode. 
Awesome. So, hey, I think that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks podcast. So thanks for listening or watching. And before we announce the guest of our next show, if you like the show, don't forget to follow the show on your podcast player so you get notified and receive the latest episodes of our show delivered right to your library the moment they get released. Find all the podcast player options at stormfrontfreaks.com and please help us out and send a friend your favorite episode. Yeah, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page and watch previous versions of our recordings on Stormfront Freaks Raw, which is completely unedited. So you get to hear all the great conversations during the breaks. There were some really good ones on this show. Great questions from our VIPs for guests. And who knows what else you get <laughs> um, that, you know, that was censored or edited, edited out of the audio podcast. So just search Stormfront Freaks or find the link on our website. And that's easy to do. We'd also love to have you have be one of our Patreon team members to check out all the ways we can provide more for you while you're also helping to support the show. Visit stormfrontfreaks.com to find the Patreon link so you can join our raw broadcasts, have access to lots of merch, or even become one of our limited VIPs and be with us in the studio with our guests on every show. And special thanks to our awesome guests this evening, Jim Cantori, Josh Morgerman. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. The thunder was more appropriate, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> it probably was. It probably was. So, hey, don't forget to check out all our new Stormfront Freaks merchandise for the holidays. You'll find it along with everything else as mentioned at stormfrontfreaks.com. But let's find out from the freaks how they can follow you as well, Maz. How can uh, our listeners follow you? Uh, on Twitter, it is Money Storm, the number four and the letter U. Awesome. Uh, Jen. Uh, Twitter at, at jwatson underscore WX and Instagram and TikTok, Jennifer Weather. All right. MJ. Uh, Twitter at Mark Stormpod, M-A-R-C Stormpod. And Serena. Everything is WX Serena with a CY. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And you could get TikTok. the weather story from Amazon and places online books are sold just in time for Christmas. Cool. You can find me on Twitter. I'm just tweeting away at Stormfront Freak. Awesome. So for our next episode, we're back recording live next week on December 15th with part three of our Tropical Storm training series. We have filmmakers Gabe Cox and Max Olson are going to be in the studio to discuss the best ways to document a hurricane with your camera. Patreon members can join our raw video recording live and the edited audio podcast will be available to everyone else around Christmas. Very good. So for... Jim and Maz and Josh, Jen, MJ, Serena, and all our VIPs. I'm going to signal the all clear. We'll catch you guys next time. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. And watch our live and recorded shows on YouTube. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive storm chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.